Morning, everyone. All right, turn your Bibles on or get them out, open them up. Nehemiah chapter 5. Oh, no, sorry, Nehemiah chapter 8. This is the fifth of our Nehemiah series, and we're moving through the book of Nehemiah, and we're in chapter 8, and we're going, going, going 8 to 10, but mostly we're in chapter 8 this morning, so if you've got your Bibles open, uh, you'll be able to follow along. And I can't read it all because there's too much text for this talk, so you'll have to just check that what I'm saying is true. So when I say, turn your Bibles on, I mean, if you've actually got it with you, um, then get it out and have a look. All right, so far we've, um, so far we've got Nehemiah, who's a, a cupbearer. He's a, he's a captive. Uh, well, he's like many generations of captivity. So he's away from his homeland. Um, he's in the city of Susa in the, in the Persian Empire. He's got an important job. He's cupbearer to the king. So uh, he, he has, he's the confidant of the king, one of the advisors, but also the tester of the drinks uh, for the king um, in Persia. And he gets a report back from his brother who's gone back to the land, to Jerusalem. And he gets a report back and he's eager to know, how are our people doing back in Jerusalem? And his brother says, not great. And it's terrible, actually. And then he has that, um, like, oh no, three days of prayer and fasting, petitions the king at risk of his own life. Can I please get some supplies and help to go back and rebuild the wall to, to really, so that the glory of God and these returning exiles will have an identity and a people, and they will once again be able to shine for the sake of the world with the good news of who God is. That's what he wants, the glory of God back um, in Jerusalem. So the king uh, gives him that permission. He goes back with, with his supplies and, his, uh, and despite rustling the feathers of all of the local authorities around the place, which is in- inevitable, and they're all trying to stop him, um, the people have rallied and through all of that opposition, they've built this wall. Um, they had to stop, remember, they had to pause for a bit because some of their own people were taking advantage of their relatives and that whole kind of, we're selling our kids into slavery because that guy's charging me too much interest and Nehemiah stopped and, and, um, and rectified all that on the day, <laughs> like give it all back. And then they went back and they finished the wall um, and the gates. So now it's all done. 52 days and the wall is finished. <clears throat> and the enemies have all gone, even the enemies have gone, oh, God. And the people have all gone, wow, God. You know. So that's where we're picking the story up. Um, in chapter 7, verse 73. I think that's the first time I've ever said verse 73. Um, anyway. Uh, so the priests, the Levites, the gatekeepers, the singers, the temple servants, and some of the common people settled near Jerusalem. The rest of the people returned to their own towns throughout Israel. Because uh, they'd come in, remember, to all build the wall. But now they've moved out uh, to where they were living. In October... When the Israelites had settled in their towns, so this is later, this is October now, we've got to, which is harvest, this is the spring um, harvest. In October, when the Israelites had settled in their towns, all the people assembled with a unified purpose at the square just inside the water gate. Um, this is, it's a, a festival for Israel uh, around harvest, they always, this was their tradition and they did this, they probably did this even in captivity, they would get together at this time because it meant something to them. And they assembled with a unified purpose. And that unified purpose um, was, was what? They assembled so that they could celebrate uh, together. They assembled to go, yay, God, we've got our harvest. Uh, they assembled to, to just go, we're one people, and we want to remember that, and there's a collective unity around what we did. They assembled to remember the great things God had done. Well, all of that, but something more than that, 
They assembled there with a unified purpose. They asked Ezra the scribe to bring out the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had given for Israel to obey. Everybody comes down uh, at springtime for a big festival. They gather in from all of their towns and they say, we want the Bible. That's what they say. Bring out the word. There's a unified purpose. Can somebody read to us the words of God in the book of the law? The book of the law is Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. That's what they're talking about. Can you, can you read that to us? And they all go, this is our unified purpose, that we would hear that at this time. There's the first miracle in this chapter. That a crowd gathered and said, we need to find us a preacher. <laughs> Someone who can bring the word of God to us. So Ezra stands on a high platform. By the way, Ezra's um, mission into this area started before Nehemiah's. He'd come back and done a whole lot of reforms already, and they knew him. He was a teacher of the law. Nehemiah's not a, he's not a preacher. Nehemiah's a, a layperson, a leader, um, and a um, godly, really godly guy, as we've seen through this uh, through this book. Ezra's the scribe. The, he's, he's the one with the knowledge of the word. So, uh, Ezra stands on a high platform, and the crowd here, it's men, women, and everyone old enough to understand, all the kids that are old enough to understand as well. When Ezra stands up there, everyone sees him open the book, or a scroll or whatever it was, and they all rise, like the whole community, on their feet now. He's going to read the book. The community leaders are with him. Seven on this side, six on that side. These are all the leaders of the people. They're going, yes, we're with this guy and we're reading the book. Maybe even helping him read. At some point, or in several points, Ezra stops and he praises the Lord, the great God. And all the people chant, amen, amen. And they lift their hands. They all lift their hands. We're going to have a crack at this later. No, not really. (laughs) He's just, he's reading the book and they're like, amen. And he goes, praise God, the great God. And they all go, amen, amen. And they lift their hands, the whole community. And then they all bow down with their faces to the ground and they worship. Men, women, children, grandparents, everyone old enough to understand. Bring us the word, bring us the word. Amen, amen. Praise the great God. And from early morning until noon, uh, what's that, five, six hours? Uh, he read from the book of the law and all the people listened closely. There's the second miracle in, the, um, <clears throat> in this chapter. Because <sighs> he's reading, we read the book of the law and we think, well, he's just reading out that thou shalt not, they must, they shouldn't, is it law? Like, no, this is Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. There's law in there, but there's a lot else in there. Creation, you know, who we are, who God is, why we are, our purpose, how humanity fell, separation from God, brokenness, pain, God's promise to Abraham, I'll make a, a nation through you and all the people of earth will be blessed um, through you. 
And then trouble and hardship and slavery and the exodus and God's deliverance and Moses with his staff at the Red Sea and the waters parting and Israel going through because God delivered them and Miriam's song of praise at, um, at the end of that. And God's tangible presence with them all through the wilderness with a pillar of fire by night and cloud uh, through the day. This, this is what they're hearing again, recounting again. And Ezra praises the Lord and they go, Amen, Amen, and they fall to their faces on the ground and worship. And in Leviticus, how a holy God can live among broken people, his atonement and forgiveness for sins, instructions to be holy, how to love our neighbours, what it is to be the people of God, not just in the law but in our hearts, what it is to be uh, the people of God. And the protection and the provision of God through numbers and in Deuteronomy. And if, if you follow my ways, if you follow my ways, God says, I'll bless you. If you just do this, then I will bless you. You just watch me. I will pour out my blessing on you. If you just if you, if you look after the land like that, if you look after your neighbor like that, if you'll look to me and get your sustenance and your identity and your purpose from me, and if you'll live the way that I want you to, look what I will do. I will bless you. But if you turn away from me, you'll inherit all of that curse. That is that mess, that brokenness, that emptiness, that exile, um, that pain. But even, even in your brokenness, I will return and I will get you out of there and I'll bring you back to the land and I'll restore you, not because of you, but because of me. That's God. And hearing all this, amen, amen, and they fall on the ground and they worship. And then after that, all the, all the other preachers and teachers, the Levites, there's 13 of them, um, mentioned in here, they're in amongst the people, it says. They're reading the book and they're explaining every passage. So if you can imagine this community spread out all across this space and you've got uh, old people in a group and they've heard it before but they're going, what about this bit or that bit of the law? And there's a Levite there saying, well, what do you think and what do you think? And let's just unpack this together. And over here you've got kids that are barely old enough to understand and you know, there might be behavioural management issues in there but somebody's asking them about the book of the law and they're saying, what do you think, what do you think? And this is happening right across the room. People are invested in, what does this thing mean? And, and how do we apply it uh, to our lives? And this is going on all day. Here's a people hungry, hungry for the word. Why do you think they were so hungry for the word of God? Uh, if, you, if you're like me, Sometimes you, you think our generation is the best, the most advanced, and we know things that they didn't know. And so you have, you have thoughts like this. You think, well, half of them weren't that literate. They couldn't read it, so someone was going to read it to them. They're like, cool, story time in the library. You know, like, I'm going to hear this thing that I can't read, and that's a good thing for me because I can't hear it otherwise. And that's possibly a, a factor in there. Um, also, they didn't have phones back then. Right? How do you stop people being totally invested in the word like all day? Someone's, here's a crowd and they're all going to be just like, show me the word, I want to talk about the word. Just give them all a phone. How to stop them, wouldn't it? Like if you can message someone or if you, if you can look at your, your phone or social media, like just put internet into that space and give people like a chance to check their kind of social media feed. You know, Australians spend an average, an average per person of two hours a day on social media. So that would, um, and by the way, what about just a TV? Put a TV in the corner, a gaming console, 
Just Netflix something else and people will be off the word in a second, right? Those people didn't know what they had with no distractions like we've got. Of course they were invested in the, the word of God because they didn't have what we have. Like we, we spend, in this country, we spend two hours a day on average watching TV and two hours a day on average on our social media feed. That's four hours a day. The average Australian. And they didn't have that. So it was easy for them. What else were they going to do? Like play with sticks in the yard? Of course, everyone's doing this thing in the community, so we're going to do it. Do you ever do that when you read the Bible? You think, well, they don't know what life was really like, right? They were different than us. They were this, they were that. But you know what? They had just as many distractions as we have. This is, this is a miracle. This is a revival. This is a move of God among people. So instead of doing the thing that their hearts wanted to do, they said, no, we want the Word of God. We need the Word of God. We need to understand it. Read it to us. Oh, 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 can I talk about that? Let's talk about it in groups. Let's understand it. Let's apply it to our lives. This is a marker. in the. This is a pole in the ground or a marker in the sand. We want to be people who obey God. It's amazing. The whole community. They had plenty of distractions. But on this day, the Spirit of God united the people around this purpose. We want God. We want to hear what He says and we want to do it. Verse 9 of Nehemiah 8. Then Nehemiah, the governor, Ezra, the priest, and scribe, and the Levites who were interpreting for the people said to them, don't mourn or weep on such a day as this, for today is a sacred day before the Lord your God, because the people had been weeping as they listened to the words of the law. And Nehemiah continued, Go and celebrate with a feast of rich foods and sweet drinks and share gifts of food with people who have nothing prepared. This is a sacred day before our Lord. Don't be dejected and sad, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. And the Levites too quieted the people, telling them, Hush, don't weep. This is a sacred day. So the people went away to eat and drink at a festive meal to share gifts of food and to celebrate with great joy. Because why? Because the food was flowing, because the people are together, because it was good to let off steam. All those things were happening, but there's something greater that drove their celebration. They celebrated with great joy because they had heard God's word, God's words and understood them. Like God said stuff and I heard it. Like I heard God's words and I understand it. Woo! Some of you are going, if I could understand half of what our preacher said, I'd be going, woo, too. <laughs> the next day, October 9, they're reading Leviticus 23 or Deuteronomy 16, I'm guessing there. But anyway, they're reading about this harvest festival and what it's supposed to be. And they, and they discover... Oh, what we're supposed to do is we're all supposed to come out of our homes and build temporary shelters and then live in community in these shelters for the week to remind us of our people when they came out of Egypt who were in these shelters. Um, and so, so they send all their people who can up into the hills to get leafy branches and they come back by family unit or group or whatever and they build these temporary shelters scattered all across this area and they all live in this outdoor kind of temporary shelter space for the week in community. Um, because that's what the Word of God says that they should do. 
And the book is read every day through that week. Nehemiah records this. So everyone who had returned from captivity lived in these shelters during the festival. And they were all filled with great joy. The Israelites had not celebrated like this since the days of Joshua, son of Nun. Joshua the conqueror who went in and, and um, conquered the land for the people. And they saw all of that amazing work of God in the walls of Jericho falling down and then the provision of God to defeat their enemies against odds. They hadn't celebrated as a nation, as a community, as a people of God. They hadn't celebrated like this um, since, since way back then, since the land was first taken. Why? Why were they celebrating? They're a conquered people. They've built a little wall and a gate in a, in a conquered land. The temple is a shadow of what it used to be, but they've celebrated more than they have since Joshua, since Joshua. That's a big statement from Nehemiah. Why? Why are they celebrating? Because, because why? Because God. Because revival. Because all of my heart now is God. And all of my desire is God. And all that I want is God. And my family, look at them. Well, they all just want God. And my grandparents want God. And my kids are looking at this thing and trying to work out what it means for God. And I'm like, wow, 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 amen, amen, and praise the great God. That's why. Because that kind of celebration is in the community. And it's not just a, aren't we good and isn't our nation good? But we're all seeing one thing. What's that? God. Uh, Colin Buchanan um, who our kids listen to heaps, and we kept listening to beyond the time when they wanted us to. Um, <clears throat> the greatest treasure in the whole wide world is peace with God. The greatest treasure in the whole wide world is peace with God. Um, and that's what they, that's what they found. Um, this morning we sang, uh, the songs we sing are always helpful for me. I love worship and I love corporate worship. I don't know if you experience this, but you can stand on your own in your home with the music blaring and praise God and it's awesome, but to stand next to someone who's also praising God is better. There's something about being together and praising God. Um, something beyond us, something bigger than me um, in that space when the Spirit moves, Jesus says we're two or three. Um, and the more, the better. Heaven is going to be like, knock your socks off, brilliant in that space. Um, can't remember where I was going with that. <coughs> um, oh, yeah. The joy, the joy of being in the center of, who, of, of what God wants for us, for you and for me and for our community. Um, that's where I was going. And something else that I can't remember. <laughs> oh, that's it. <coughs> um, I, sometimes I'm tempted, and I don't know if you think this too, sometimes I'm tempted to think if I don't perform well, our church is going to struggle. I think if I, don't, if I don't preach well, our church is going to struggle. If I don't lead well, our church is going to 
struggle. If our singers can't sing, our church is going to struggle. If our video guys get this wrong and the live stream cuts, our church is going to struggle. But a lot of the things we sang this morning reminded me of this and of how important this is. Do you know what this whole thing is based on? The unchangeable, unquenchable, powerful, um, undeniable God. And he is unshakable. And where he was present there, in, in, when Ezra was reading that thing, and those people were all talking, that God, he's here. And he's comforter and counselor and prince of peace and author and maker of everything. He's the defender, the deliverer, the king of kings. He is. He is. Not he was. He is. That's where I was going. And my heart, oh, gee, I want to believe this. Um, I hope you want to believe this. They get together again a few weeks later, and they praise God again, and they recount all that God has done, and they confess their wrongdoing and, and praise God for his persistent mercy and love, and then they together make promises to follow God's ways to keep faith in Israel strong. They say these things. We promise to honor God above commerce, to rest when God says rest, including this. Every seventh year, we will let our land rest and we'll cancel all debts owed to us. Every seven years, we'll cancel all debts owed to us. We promise to contribute to the upkeep of the temple of our God. We promise to bring the first and the best parts of all we get and all we have and give it to God's work. Um, they promise. They heard this word from God and they, and they promised. I'm just on that, by the way. I need to say this. I am like, wow, God, at the, the money that the people of Community Church are contributing to this work. It is amazing from where we were in February to where we are now. And I need to say this too. Now, there's a donation that's come in three times through the last three months of $10,000 from a single source. I don't know who it is because I never know who gives what. I just know the numbers of people who give and, and the numbers who, you know, I, I get the figures but not the names which is the way it should be, I think. Anyway, there's this donation, and I don't even know where it's coming from, and that's awesome. And I, if that's you, thank you. Like, praise God for that kind of contribution. But it's just, like, I'm looking at these things going, look at God. Like, it's hard to get out now, right? People are sick all over the place. And you're trying to cluster people, they're like, oh, I don't know, you know. Like, because of, because of COVID... Who doesn't know someone who's got COVID right now? Like, it's everywhere. But people are still volunteering and, and helping. Our music team is, you know, full most weeks, which is amazing from where we were a little while ago. God's bringing people to us. Our volunteer teams are filling up and people are contributing. Like these people, we promise, we will. We will. Praise God. They weren't just hungry to hear the word of God. They weren't just hungry to understand the word of God. They weren't just hungry to celebrate the word of God. They were hungry to let the word of God inform and change their lives. Uh, James says this. Don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourselves. If you listen to the word and don't obey it, it's like glancing at your face in the mirror. You see yourself walk away and forget what you look like. <laughs> 
But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free and you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. God will bless you for doing it. Um, I've got a lot of apps on my phone. I just want to highlight three. Uh, One is uh, Facebook or whatever social media feed you put in there. Uh, The other is Sudoku because I love that little game. And um, and I can go, you know, uh, four o'clock, six o'clock. What happened? Sudoku happened. And um, and the other is my Bible. And they're all in my hand. And they're all in my hand all day. What do we want? Like, do we want the Word of God? Do we want to hear what He wants? Do you want to hear what he says, what he means? Not, not the God of our mum and our, our dad and our grandparents and, and tradition. Not the God of the political right. Not the, not the God that we, that we don't like or that we've heard about. The living God who's here now like he was before. Who wants selflessness to reign supreme in our lives and all the lives around us. Who has a purpose for us that is better than anything else we can imagine. Do we want God? Do I want God? Let's pray. Uh, Father, thanks uh, for recording this event for us, this revival in your people, this uh, overflow of your spirit, this hunger for you. And we pray, God, that you would move our hearts this morning to be hungry for you. We have the word in our hands, God. Uh, Guide us to it. Help us to, to want it, to want you Um, not just today, but every day we ask in Jesus' name.